Okay, kids, you're in for a real treat today. 24-7 Comedy Radio. What is wrong with you? All comedy, all the time. Step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh that we do what the fuck we want to do. Yo, me and E, we get dumb results. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGree.com to support the Green Room today. And now live from Silver Lake, California, the host of the Green Room, Sean Green. All right, everyone, welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends over at 24-7 Comedy Radio. 247comedy.com is where you can find them. You can access their live stream as well as uh, check them out on the iHeartRadio app. Their channel is iHeartComedy. Easy enough. And they have a plethora of AM, FM affiliates Arizona, Tucson, Austin, Pittsburgh, Riverside, Raleigh, Eugene, and more. Where exactly? I'm unclear. I don't have the thing right in front of me. You guys know how that is. You know how life goes. And also, presented by Amazon. Amazon is uh, yeah, kind of a uh, pseudo-sponsor. They don't realize they're a sponsor of the show, but it's pretty simple, guys. You go to SeanTGreen.com, hit that Amazon banner, and uh, anything you buy... I get a small percentage just because I turned you on to Amazon. It's pretty easy, guys. Basically, you're going to give your money to a soulless corporation corporation like Amazon. You know, you're going to do that anyway. You may as well help out a regular working Joe like myself. And all you got to do is click on my banner. All you got to do is click on my banner. It's not that hard to just click on a guy's banner, okay? You're trying to put people back to work in this country, America. I'm talking to you, Barack Obama. I'm talking to you, Mitt Romney. I see these politicians, you know, they come out with their dress shirts and they have the sleeves rolled up because they're ready to put America back to work. Well, you can put this guy back to work by logging on to SeanTGreen.com, clicking that Amazon link. And if that's too much of a burden for you, well, what you can do is you can bookmark the Amazon link. You thought I was going to say you can go fuck yourself, but no. Well, you can, thanks to Amazon's amazing adult products. They have it all, guys. Camping, cooking, NFL gear, MLB swag, everything, guys. I'm really going all in on this Amazon read. And I'm doing it because my pal uh, Scott Bowser's in here. He's a fellow podcaster. He's a fellow yes. digital media broadcaster, as we like to say in the business. I am oh. a fellow Amazon affiliate, of yes. all things. Yes. He's also on the uh, Amazon affiliate train. Fellow <laughs> digital media broadcaster Scott Bowser, host of the Scotty Mouth Podcast. Stand-up comedian, renowned through the Los Angeles area and America abroad. Scott, what's happening? Not much, yeah. Like... Oh, that that was such a great pitch for Amazon. Like I, I've maybe given them like five pitches ever, and not one of them has had like one tenth the, the <laughs> of, of the passion and what it takes to really sell Amazon. Like because most people do shop. I shop Amazon all the time. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a common. And I I use my own link, right? When I shop. Well, you, do you know now? Now, Scott, maybe we should come up with a system here where. You'll buy through my link, and I'll buy through your link, because I found this out the hard way, is that if you click uh, through your own Amazon link and ship it to your own, on your own credit card or whatever, uh-huh. using the same name, it doesn't count. Uh-huh. So that's where they get you. But 
us being the um, you know small business owners who are very yeah. crafty, very yeah, intelligent. But, yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a good like a uh, mafia move. Like I hey, I give you loan sharking. You take the gambling. You know, like, <laughs> exactly. Like, like, you know, there's basically – there's only so much a piece of the pie that we could cut up. We decided instead of this crazy turf war, <laughs> there's been a lot going on. Yeah. There's been a, there's been a lot of digital bloodletting online. We've had enough. The two families have the blo- come together. The blog wars of 2012 have been absolutely <laughs> brutal. Like, I talked to my uh, – consili- wait, what is it? Uh, consigliere. Consigliere. And he said, Green, it's all right. Go through the Scotty mouth pod. We don't want the – Families at war. We've we've got we've come too far. I made him an offer we couldn't refuse. <laughs> an offer of amazing online retail at only a click away. Uh, I mean, you uh, don't have to go to the site every time. You can just bookmark it. Who's well, you? You think you're better than the bookmark? When you order order six items, the percentage gets jacked up a little bit. So you know. <laughs> Multitask and get as many things as possible. As an affiliate, it's it's based on a percentage thing. <laughs> And that, now we're going to have to have a sit down with Amazon, the head chief over at Amazon. Yeah. It is funny how we've just – we've gotten into this society where even asking someone to click on a banner, like whoever you are, even if you're the top podcaster, Adam Carolla, to our level of podcasting, whatever, <laughs> you still have to – which is near the top, but just you – know, Which is really damn good, guys. Just, exactly. just let you know. It's content. Uh, you know, it's, it's quality content. But um, literally – you, we're just begging someone to click on a banner, and still that is – It's like the, too much. I know. We've, we've come to like – don't you feel – now? we're, all, we're, uh, we're active social media users in today's uh, Gen Y, whatever we are, Gen X, Y, Z, whatever. I think I'm on the borderline. I'm like Gen X, Y. That's why I like <laughs> tranny so much. You're a hermaphrodite. I get, I get, yeah, I get, I get all the chromosomes equally. Um, no, it – like every time you're on Facebook, there's at least someone trying to get my vote for, hey, I mean, you get it a lot because I know a lot of comedians, so you yeah. get a lot, hey, I'm in this comedy competition. But now it's even, basically, we've created this, there's this weird system where, okay, uh, Nestle wants to give away five grand, and they're going to do it to whoever has the most chocolate tastic story. <laughs> and then you show your chocolate tastic story, and then people vote. And, and then every day they're like, Hey, vote for me in Chocolatasket Fest. Honestly, I would like to just make a bunch of videos of gay guys telling stories of accidental poo during intercourse. <laughs> and, the then, and then for Chocolatastic stories and just release that uh, on, on, at all costs. I don't know. I don't know if that would go uh, – I don't know if that would make its way through Nestle Corporate. But the idea is it's just people begging for you to click on it. And I look at that and I'm like, that's a huge burden. You know, the thing I hate more than anything is is when people like send you an invite on Facebook – to watch a YouTube video. Yes. They th- oh, wow. I, I, I found a way around. You know what really killed social media was Dane Cook. And I'll tell you yeah. why. Because <laughs> Dane Cook became very successful off of social media. And he was also very aggressive on social media. Like he, he was telling stories. He would just go into chat rooms and just be like, hey, check out my comedy. Check out my comedy. And he really put in a lot of hard work promoting himself online. And so this template was created. Hey, you plug away. 
you uh, you get a, um, a social media following. In the in the case of Dane Cook, it was MySpace, and then next thing you know, legit Hollywood's coming to knock in. They want to cash in, and there are people who have gotten success off of using social media. So it really just adds fuel to the fire, and people think like. People have this moment of like, hey, by harassing all my friends, telling them to vote for me, I'm doing something good. I'm working towards my career. They rationalize it in the idea of like, hey, I'm promoting myself. Yeah. I'm an entertainer. I'm a blogger, whatever. I'm, I have a product. It is it's – it's an interesting dynamic where – I feel like a dick just like posting like one or two links, you know? <laughs> well, and really, it, it sounds um, – it sounds kind of trite, but in a way, we're creating, uh, we're defining a new level of culture, the online social media culture. Just sure. the idea of like, how do you interact? Is this annoying if I post this much? Should I be posting more? Is it annoying to? Post- how many? How many pictures of? Hey guys, just you know, you can feel free to face Facebook me and let me know how many. What's the acceptable amount of? Air Jordans, you're allowed to post <laughs> and tag all your friends in. What, yeah, there are, there are. That's a yeah, it's a weird form of spam going around on social media where guys just like I go on my Facebook profile and I'm just tagged in all these Air Jordans, and I, I thought it was just a virus, but it seems like people are actually doing it because it seems like there's real users commenting on how yeah, awesome yeah, these yeah, Jordans they, are, how cool it is. Like back in my day, Scott, back in our day, you know who sold Michael Jordan? Shoes? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. <laughs> and you know how he did that, Scott? By dunking on people and showing that he was much better. You know what Listen. he did? You know what he did? He closed his eyes at the free throw line and shot free throws in front of Daikemi Matembo and told him, welcome to the NBA, rookie. Like, like not a lot of guys do blind, blind free throws. Like, you got to be Michael Jordan to do that and, like, show up like a top draft pick. Michael Jordan didn't ask people to like him. What he did was he became great, and then people were attracted to his greatness. If anything, he did everything he could, personality-wise, social-wise, whatever, to make people not like him, and they still couldn't deny his greatness, so they still had to like him. (laughs) Granted, the media wasn't the same way, so it wasn't like he wasn't under the same spotlight, but... He punched teammates in the face. He racked up huge bet, uh, bets that he just never paid against fellow golfers, eventually costing his uh, father's life. That's my own personal theory. It's all based on speculation. <laughs> I like how he call, used to call Will Purdue Will Vanderbilt. <laughs> Will, Will Purdue actually did attend Vanderbilt University. What's funny about that is Jordan's comment to him was, you're not good enough to be named after a Big Ten school. <laughs> Just threw him right in the bus. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an amazing level of and, shit and Jordan, Jordan, Michael Jordan is one of the greatest examples, I guess, or just one of the greatest case studies in psychology. Because as a guy, he was almost a role model for an entire generation of males. Yes. Or just a huge percentage of males. Like If you said if you're a guy growing up in America – at, you know, same time we were uh, born, early 80s, late 70s, even mid 80s. And you ask the person, did you ever admire or look up to Michael Jordan? I would feel like it's got to be like 75, 80%, maybe even higher. Like yeah, there might yeah. even be. And yet, okay, he has all that. He has the championships. He has the stats. He's got the fame. He's, He's got the money. He's even played minor league baseball. Yes. <laughs> he, he literally has every whim catered to him and the guy still does not seem happy you listen to that hall of fame speech and you hear a guy who's not happy he is brutal in that yeah because i I don't know like as a guy you just think 
oh man, if I could just get this job. I, I think everyone has that. I think guys especially have it with the physical aspect of like, Ah, oh, my life sucks. Well, why? Because I'm not starting center fielder for the Angels in your case or whatever. Hey, I'm not yeah, playing. I'm not my mid- yeah, I'm not playing middle linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh well, I'm settling on this. But literally, when someone has all that and they're still they're still pissed off, he's still pissed off about getting cut from his high school basketball team when he was a sophomore. And he didn't even really get cut. All he, he just didn't start on varsity. He played JV for a little while and then had a really good varsity career. Everyone goes, oh, you know. They, they tell people this to inspire them. Oh, like, yeah. You know Michael Jordan got cut from his basketball team. Michael, Yeah, Michael Jordan got cut from his basketball team. Um, Michael Jordan also played for UNC on a college scholarship. Michael How do Jordan's- you think he got that? Michael Jordan started alongside James Worthy and Sam Perkins on a national championship team as a freshman at North Carolina <laughs> under a Hall of Fame coach in one of the most historic situations ever where he, he made a game-winning shot over Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown Hoyas. Like, yeah, that kind of put – that kind of that was kind of uh, – Jordan historians will say that that was kind of the shot that put Jordan on the map as far as as far as far uh, no, sports are no, concerned. That was like his first like real like big-time – clutch moment yes where anytime you it like goes back like anytime you you get him in a situation where the game's on the line now did you uh, now scott you played uh you played sports as a kid did you ever have a clutch moment did you ever have the feeling of hey i totally came through for the team i totally like i saved the day yeah that's happened to me a couple times um okay when like when I was a water polo player, I scored a game-winning <laughs> goal in overtime, sudden death overtime against one of our rival schools in a tournament. It wasn't a league game; that was the thing. Like we we hadn't we'd only had beaten them in league like once in the history of our schools, but like I was able to score a game-winning goal against them in overtime. To that was bullshit. Now here, here's I was the, actually good at that sport. Now is there what's the water polo celebration? I know in football it's to dump the Gatorade on the coach. I feel like you're kind of missing. What do you do? Throw the coach in the pool? What's yeah, the yeah, move? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You throw the coach in the pool. Yeah. Now I kind of, I I start I asked that question and then kind of almost half answered it myself because I remembered my days from the swim team. Quick digression. It ties into the Olympics. I've probably told this a couple times on the podcast, but I was a uh, I was a very good swimmer as a kid. My uh, parents. We lived in a housing development where we actually we were literally there was. That basically the housing development tennis court was right behind us, and behind that was the pool. So it was literally like a 100-yard walk to the pool. So I was there all the time on the swim team, got really into the swim team, really enjoyed it. I got, uh, I think, my that highlight. Before you started sprouting hair all over your body. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was pretty close, Scott. It was pretty close. Um, You're pushing yeah, it a little bit. It's the, I think it's the only – It's the only. there's like one picture you can find of me in second grade. Third grade, things – you know, he's I started a, to become a man. But, getting Robin Williams on. <laughs> but second grade, I was still – I didn't have to shave my chest prior to uh, joining the uh, – to hopping in the pool there. I got – I think my career highlight was getting like six pr- um, sixth place in the uh, states for like a breaststroke. Had a good year. Hey, I, and hey. My highlight Best though nice, was uh, yes, young very, stud, dude. Yeah. <laughs> all over. It was another decade before I actually touched a breast. But um, when I was eight years old, for our local club team there, I won eight-year-old most improved, which 
is still kind of an insult. It's one of those trophies where I was really stoked at the time. And it, it does... I won most improved in water polo, actually. <laughs> I, yeah. It, it speaks to... It actually, you could argue, it's almost a better award because it's like, hey, you... you put the time in, you improve, blah, blah, blah. But secretly, you also think in the back of your head, oh, well, that's because I was a piece I, of crap I, I, yeah, and I have no I natural so talent. so bad, yeah. <laughs> I stuck so bad there for a while that I, I ended up imp- like, like it's Right. They had an eight-year-old MVP. I did not get that. This was back in the day when some kids on the team would not win trophies for just being on the team. Hey, hey you know what my best clutch moments ever as an athlete were? It was when I was uh, – uh, baseball player, I was well, the worst kid on the team. I literally think my batting average was like point oh seven nine that season, something like that. Yep. And um, the two close ga- we, we won the championship that year, but we had two close games, and I made the key play in both close games. One was a play in right field where a ball was hit to me, and it bounced off my knee and went to the second baseman, and he threw a guy out of the plate, oh. and I got an assist on it. I got an outfield assist on that. There you because- go. I was in the right. Hey, place you hit the, right the cutoff, time. man. Yeah, yeah, I hit the cutoff. I, even though it was off my knee by accident, but it was like a it was like a three two game in like the pennant race. So like, and then and then I grounded out to a third baseman to drive in a run another time. And those are the only two. Like that was the game winning run. But they're the only two close games that team had. We either lost by the mercy rule or mercy ruled every team we played all season, with the exception of those two games. And I was technically like the guy that made the key play in both games. That's insane, Scott. Clutch. All right. Um, well, oh, the point I was getting to was that when I won eight-year-old most improved, most improved, the swimmer, the female swimmer, I'll never forget this, Amy Van Dyken, won eighteen-year-old. Oh, 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 oh. Was she living up to it? MVP. You think, you yes. think she's living up to that now. Now she's thinking. I'm sure she still googles my name from time to time. Checks up. Hey, that eight year old uh, most improved. What's he been up to? Old, Stronger. Van, old, old Van Dyken. I wonder what she's <laughs> up to. She won. Uh, I think she's won like six or seven uh, gold medals in her career in uh, swimming. She ended up being a. Are you in, not? And like the real Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, wow. she ended up. Go- That's why I was bringing it up. She ended up going on to the Olympics. Yeah, I think she won uh, a few in 2004, maybe some in 2000. She had a uh, she had a really nice run there. Wow! And I remember as a kid, like really look like, oh my god, she's really good swimmer. She was dating the swim coach, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. He's so old. And meanwhile, he was like 19. <laughs> old Old Van Dyken has a great breaststroke, by the way. Oh, she does. And <laughs> another quick anecdote from the um, from, from the old time. from the old swim era. From, uh, from the days of uh, swimming. I won most improved in cheer also. Too. Yeah, all right. Well, Scott, <laughs> le- all right, let's get into your cheering. <laughs> now, I feel like, Scott, you talk about you're not afraid to open up on stage. You've talked a lot about uh, controversial topics. I mean, ranging from your personal life, 9-11, AIDS, cancer, death. You're not afraid to go there, as we say no. in the business. No. And that, you know, I find that uh, fascinating. But I have not heard a lot about your career as a, uh, as a cheerleader. You're <laughs> Which is funny because we ended up, just from hanging out in stand-up comedy, we're kind of seen as the jocks. Just because we know about sports, but really the reason we got into comedy is basically because we were guys who wanted to be jocks but weren't good at all. No. But just the fact that we ever aspired to be good at sports puts us like so far ahead of the game in the comedy world. It, it, it's it, bizarre. It's hilarious because like um, they have a okay, they have a rap battle 
at the comedy store. I know this is going to sound weird, but they have a rap battle. And like Cornell was our friend Cornell Reed was telling me, and they asked me to do it. I'm all, they know you can't rap, right? He's all, no, they, it's just because I like rap. I'm all, that's like if you're getting a home run derby together or a long drive contest. And it's like, oh, Bowser likes golf. I like it. I'm not. I, I'm awful at it. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm horribly awful at most every sport I play, with the exception of maybe a little basketball and swimming. Like I'm all right at those. Yeah, you can hold your own. Yeah, it it is weird that they just assume. Like I talk about playing football on stage, and yeah, the stories I tell are, oh yeah, I barely play JV football because it's you know it's a public high school. You just can't yeah. tell. A, Kids whose parents are taxpayers, you're not allowed on the field that they help pay for. So you legally are required to be on the team. And people look at me like um, they look at me like I'm a young Joe Montana just for signing up for football. It's you're insane. like the, you're like the next like Troy Polamalu out there, <laughs> like just taking heads off left and right every play. Like no, no, I know it's just it's just funny like the spectrum in their mind. So now let's get back. Let's not. Let's not tread too far from your Me career as a, cheer- as as a cheerleader, cheerleader. My career, my cheer career. Let's do let's do a recap for people who didn't hear the last episode. You were on. We you were revealed. You were uh, basically it's a uh, green room podcast exclusive that you came out as a cheerleader. Scott, <laughs> yeah. let's get a little more backstory. Let's- I lettered varsity, guys. I lettered varsity as a cheerleader and won most improved. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Um, I used to do morning. I played water polo. And I used to yeah. do morning water polo practice like 6 a.m. And my friend that used to give me a ride to school in the morning, he was like, when, when water polo season ended, he was like, hey, uh, I, got, I, I can't give you a ride anymore because I still have to leave at that same time because I got cheer practice now. And I was like, well, dude, like, it's cool. Like, I'll, I, I'd rather take the ride than walk. And I'd rather wake up early and take the ride than walk there. So I was like, well... I'll still take the ride. I can just hang out, and bring a book, and like read what you guys are doing. <laughs> like what you guys are doing your queer shit. I'll, I'll read a book. And remember, like, remember back in the day when you would just hang out and read a book? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm still. I, I still do that kind of stuff, but it's just on my phone now. Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's. It sounds so archaic to just be like, oh yeah, I would just sit on my phone and fuck around on my phone. Yeah, yeah. you still read, but sorry, not to not to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight too far from your anecdote. Uh. So I get there, I'm sitting there, like, it was, like, a few days into me just, like, kind of being the creepy guy that sat there that, like, was trying to figure out how to grow a goatee while there's, like, hot girls <laughs> in the room. And, and next thing I know, they're like, hey, we, hey, can you come try this out real quick? Are you down to try this? And I was like, yeah. And then I pulled the, I help I helped pull the sun off and make it better. And then from then they're like, okay, you're in. We I love how to- you call it a stunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a routine, Scott. It, no, it was, it was like a real stunt. Like, <laughs> come on, dude. I'm like Harrison Ford, dude. I do it my own, dude. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was basically it. It was like, and then like I was like, like I was like a, I believe it or not, I was a pretty timid teenager, like kind of around girls, especially like I was always really, really shy. So it was like, oh, like like some of the hot. Girls and some of the ugly cows that were on the cheer squad. There, yes. There's actually girls willing to talk to me by doing this. Like, this is kind of cool. So so that that kind of sucked you in, the idea of hanging out with chicks, yeah. getting to meet chicks. Well, like, and, like, right away I found out that they change – They it's like an open locker room where you, the guys and girls change in front of each other. And it was kind of cool. Like, I got to see, like, you know, like, hot chicks and, like, bras and panties, like, running around. Like, I got <laughs> – I did actually get to see that. That's how uh, any guy who's a male cheerleader always always hypes that 
that angle of yeah, yeah. You see some well, you know, you know, you get to hold the chicks. You could totally look up their yeah, skirt. Dude, I wasn't even strong enough to hold them up by myself, <laughs> dude. Like, Were you ever on top of the pyramid, Scott? <laughs> I did, no. dude. If I would, I would have just been jizzing on everyone. It would have made it awkward and weird for everyone. Like, that would, that would have. I imagine that would. That would basically end a cheer practice. I don't know everything about yeah, cheerleading, you, but I, I feel like now what is now what do your friends say? I know you got a brother. What does your brother say? Did you get your chaps busted? Oh yeah, you get shit left and right. Like, and you're not allowed to do something like that. Did you have pom poms? Uh, no, never. And I never have to. I had to do it like at games. Oh, like I never had to like show up at like a football or basketball game. And, like, oh, okay. Like, it was only for competitions. <laughs> It was only for regionals and nationals. Uh, if, if you've ever seen it, like, so it was only for that kind of that kind of scene. But the thing was, is occasionally the school would have an assembly, and it's like our regional cheerleading champions are going to perform today. It's like, yeah, it's like there's always something I can hide almost from every classmate because they didn't know about it. And it's like. Ah, oh, shit, now i got to go out there and do this. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Now, I remember in football on game days, we were allowed to wear our jerseys to school. And that was kind of like a tradition for like the that, Friday My school did the same thing for, for that, yeah. Now, did you do that? Did you wear your cheer sweater? No, dude. <laughs> I was like, no, we had uh, – for water polo, we had like team T-shirts made. And we would all just wear our team T-shirt the day or on day, game days. So it's like we we all basically wore short sandals and a t-shirt. Like it was a real laid back kind of thing. Like yeah, I remember in high school our big basically once I got out of the athletic game, my uh, last two years I was just focused on hanging out and going to the football and, and games. academics and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, I was a good student. Obviously, that's an insane waste of time. And please, anyone listening to this podcast, education's horseshit. You have yeah. a cell phone. My you- mom's a teacher. Look at me. Yeah, I, I have a, I have a new I have a joke in my act now where, you know, my favorite part of uh, getting old is seeing what what one of your shithead friends ends up becoming a teacher. And my buddy, <laughs> he uh, he's now teaching literature, and he literally goes to me. He goes, "Yeah, I've read two books in my entire life." Artie Lang's biography and Jurassic <laughs> Park, the movie, the novel. The novel. Like, yes. not even the actual, like, no. actual book that the movie was based no, on. No, they just, it's one of those money grabs where, yeah. okay, hey, I mean, back in the day they used to do that. A movie came out and then they decided, oh, oh you this make a movie's book. popular. Last Action Hero, the novel. And all it is is just pictures from the movie. I read and- Batman, the book, with the first Tim Burton Batman. I read that book. Yes. I did so, a book report on it. That's how nerdy I was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the second half of my uh, college career was a lot of hanging out, checking out the games. I remember in the stands, the, you know, the move was like, hey, sneak a little booze in. You do the, like, Gatorade and vodka. Like, obviously, you know, it's pretty obvious, but... Uh, People are getting drunk in the stands, kids and stuff. Gatorade and vodka is a good one. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you get dehydrated and rehydrated <laughs> at the same time. You get the electrolytes that you lose from drinking a Vladimir vodka. And that sweet, sweet Russian booze. <laughs> that, that sweet, sweet Russian hooch that we all are strong for. Like, And one of our um, one of our cheers, like we had a little cheer going in the crowd. Oh, so you were a cheerleader, well, too. Well, <laughs> it was a little... Uh, you just never wore a uniform. No. No, my uniform was at, well. It was Abercrombie and Fitch polo and cargo shorts. But that's that was gay, that's gayer than what I wore. 
Did you have a sweet hemp necklace, Scott? No, I I, I did sport hemp necklace my senior year. Did we got we caught that uh, we caught that wave? I remember our cheer though was that we'd use to kind of like talk crap on the other team was. Now I went to Freedom High School. Uh, our rival high school is Liberty. How many schools was there? Were, high schools were there in your in Bethlehem? Um, in Bethlehem, the city, there were two public high schools and a private school. Okay. So it was Bethlehem Liberty were the public. Uh, Bethlehem Catholic was the private. And then there was about um, another like eight or so kind of – I think it, they called it a division or whatever. So th- those were like the teams you'd play locally. Yeah. Uh, you know, the local cities, some up in the Poconos, a little farther out. But we would – Liberty was our arrival and we used to have a chant that went Michelob Miller Rolling Rock – Liberty High School sucks our cock. <laughs> and, I mean, it still holds up today as, as, as it's uh, garnering laughter. A uh, couple things. One, our principal hated that. Yeah. He, I mean, obviously, your principal, this is not showing well on the school. He would always freak out when he heard it. Guys started getting suspended. It was quite the scandal in our high school. Flash forward to senior graduation, I was a class treasurer, and I presented the class gift. Our class gift was a clock, so I came up to the podium, and I just uh, said, hey, guys. It's a, it's a wordplay there. <laughs> yep. You saw where I was going, Scott. I go, Michelob uh, Miller, a- Rolling Rock, Freedom High School. Just got a new clock. You're welcome, class of 2001. And I could just see my principal just shaking his head. Now, part of the reason – now, maybe this is just pure speculation, but part of the reason that maybe there uh, was such an issue was that our said principal got busted. Now, I don't don't even know if that's – oh, yeah, I guess busted. But he was having an affair with a – Male college professor, Whoa. like kind of on campus, I think. I don't remember the whole scandal. Don't let me slander the guy, but he was basically have had a secret gay life for a long time. Literally came out of the closet. He had uh, two kids who went to the high school, a wife. Just Whoa. all kind of – he was heavily involved with the uh, wrestling team. That's way better than the principal sex scandal <laughs> at my school. Now, what was the principal sex scandal at your school? Uh, my principal, uh, he stepped down. He was he, – his first year as principal was my freshman year. So, like I remember him like sitting like the freshman class down there. He was like, I am – this is my first year. I'm going to grow with you guys. I can't wait to see you all graduate as my first real class as being kind of you know principal. He uh, – he was banging the lady that ran the college cupboard. The college cupboard? Yeah, it was like the uh, where you like she ran. It was like a like an office. I used to be. Oh, the okay. So like, like information like on the, colleges. Part of the curriculum, like any college recruiter or any person. Oh, okay. Like, okay. That, like if like oh the person from UCLA is coming today and like they're going to be in the college cupboard, make an appointment with your counselor and you, you need to talk to them or whatever. So um, he was banging her. I guess he they were caught banging like in that office by a student, and like. Dude, the really funny thing about that was he was a member of my friend's church and he stood up in front of church on a Sunday and like admitted to the whole thing. So it made it even <laughs> wow. like it made it like 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 so amazing on so many levels. <laughs> the lady in question, by the way, my brother and I were both TAs for her, and we didn't realize until both of us after graduated we were like, dude, we could have totally banged her, dude. But. <laughs> 
the missed opportunities. She would like buy me lunch and like be like, "Hey, you want something for lunch?" I'm like, "Yeah, what's your favorite place around here?" I'm like, "Oh, this." She's like, "Here's the keys to my car. Here's money. Go drive, pick it up, do whatever you want to do. Go run errands." Like, like I was like, "Dude, this is like this is the sweetest gig ever." Yeah, you hear these stories of kids hooking up with their teachers in high school. I actually had a kid, I think he was um, a year or two younger than me, ended up marrying one of our younger gym teachers. Wow. So, it was, I mean, it was, like, I think they started dating. He was 17. She was 23. I think they got married when he was 20. She was, like, 26. I mean, it was a, it was a little bit of a scandal. Yeah, Like, yeah. he was married sophomore, junior year in college. Yeah, your, your school is way hotter than mine, <laughs> though, bro. <laughs> but it, it's, it, looking back... You don't realize that, oh, man, maybe that was this chick hitting on me or whatever. Like, you're just yeah, so you, oblivious. You would you would have no idea to pick up on any of those clues, especially no. from an older woman or someone that you would not even think of you have, as a possibility. It's like a, it's a position of authority kind of situation where you're like, oh, man, I, I got to respect, you know. I yeah, I never would have thought of that. I, but looking back now, like hearing these stories, it's like I think that's why it's happening more now. Because one story happened, and then like then, then there's some kid who's the coolest kid ever at his high school. Always, it's like well, that, you know, no, what? No. I think I could, I think I could. I do mean, it. I, and I think there's something to that. And even to extend on that thought, it does feel like we're living in a world where sexual deviancy is growing. And I think, in a way. And, you know, obviously maybe it was always deviant and we're just finding out about it. Who will who will ever know? But I think there is something to having the internet and having all these kind of crazy, weird fetishes like, oh, dress up in a, you know, in a, do- a furry dog outfit, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, these, all these bizarre fetishes are getting validated because it's like, oh, there's other people. And the whole mantra of our generation and just people in general now is, you're not wrong. You're never wrong. Nothing you do is ever weird it's all, or wrong. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Everything you do is right. So everything you're getting, any kind of sexual impulse you have is now validated by society and every weird sexual impulse that's out there. The only thing that really has any justifiable shame at least from kind of quote unquote like open-minded liberal people is pedophilia everything else and nambla exists there's yeah. an organization about being a pedophile like, how does that exist like, that's, like that. that's actually that's an actual thing you know no exactly like, pedophilia is like the one thing where everyone's like yeah 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 fuck all that but like it's like if I if I just came out on the show and was like, you know, I like to stick sangria glasses up my butt a- <laughs> after I throw my shit at homeless people. Like I can only do it then. Like, like and people be like, well, okay, I'm not Scott, I'm right. not one to judge, yeah. uh, Scott. Yeah. Hey, whatever you want to do in the privacy of your own home. It's, it's people always crazy. include that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to do no, that. but what I get off in public. That's my thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. My thing is like, yeah, getting blown by someone on a street corner. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whatever you do in the privacy of your own home. I also like you threw in the sangria glass because you were drinking sangria sangria, early. And now it's totally turned me off to the idea of getting another glass of sangria after the podcast. No, who am I kidding? I'm going to have another glass. Kind of made me think I want another glass. But yeah, that's still. (laughs) That's how you know you like booze when someone's just like. Oh, oh my God! I spent the last night just <laughs> vomiting off of whiskey. And your first question is, oh, "What kind of whiskey?" <laughs> was that a uh, was that an Irish or a Kentucky bourbon? Oh, you went with a single. <laughs> uh, oh man, 
Yeah, I'll, oh, get, I'll get one of those on the rocks. It sounds, that sounds good. Actually, hey, hey, no, that's what causes you to order a drink. Yeah. No, it does. I, I wasn't going to drink until you told me about this puke whiskey story, but here I am. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a while uh, since I've thrown up off alcohol. It is weird how I, I congratulate myself off that, or I hear other people doing it and you sound like a total asshole, but it has been a while of um you know throwing up off alcohol it's not that i don't drink anymore it's just you kind of maybe you just get a feeling for what your kind of body can take or you got yeah. you just find that sweet spot in the same way that you're you know in baseball when you kind of find your groove hitting it's the same way with drinking you kind of find all right i can have a couple of beers here a couple of drinks there work this out over time i would say i drink so much nowadays i'm more likely to puke off four mini tacos from 7-Eleven for a dollar than I am off the two tall cans of Four loco for five dollars. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I, I totally... It, but it is weird when I do get sick from drinking. I feel like it kind of opens up Pandora's box and then the next couple times in a row I'll get sick off drinking if I drink a lot. Like yeah. Something where it just like upsets my stomach and I get the idea that, oh, okay, you can get sick from this. And... <laughs> Oh man, sometimes sometimes this doesn't work out. <laughs> hey, I'm learning, Scott. I'm learning slowly. It takes a while. All right, man. Let's a uh, lot of news going on. All right, a lot of news we can get to. I love this part. It's always a good time. Well, Scott, actually, I got a. Now it's not necessarily news per se, but we've been talking about it. Just hanging out recently, you were talking that you downloaded illegally. The I'm assuming illegally. No, it was legally. It was legal. Oh, legally. It was legal. Oh, okay. It's it's free. Uh, TMZ like just threw it out there. Oh, okay. It's freely uh, free. Uh, I know exactly where this is going. <laughs> Scott has started reading the O.J. Simpson book. If I did it, and the O.J. Simpson case is one of those things where it's just endlessly fascinating. And yeah, yeah obviously it's not very pertinent, but as far as time wise, but it's always interesting to kind of. Uh, uh, just that whole thing is just – it's endlessly fascinating. Now – Especially since both of us have done shows with Cato Kalin. Yes. Uh, if we, you guys – We both have Cato backgrounds. If you're listening to this podcast right now, first off, do yourself a favor. Check out – it's uh, deep in the archive, but a Cato Kalin interview I did. Cato Kalin, among other things, admits that he was a virgin until he was 26, which was the craziest thing. He was, was it, like a was D1. It, was it OJ or Nicole? <laughs> It was like a D. It was both. That's how they broke. That's how they broke. They Kato. broke him in. They broke him in with it. He knows how to keep a secret. A Scott. reverse Oreo three way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it was like a D one prospect in baseball. So he's an athlete and second base. Uh, I don't know. And he oh, he was—he like, he doesn't look like a shortstop. No, yeah, that that makes sense. Maybe like a left fielder, depending on his arm. But he—he—he <laughs> he, he didn't lose his virginity until he was twenty-six, which is crazy to me because he's like, you know, not to be gay about it and shit. But he was like a good-looking dude. Yeah, yeah, no, he is. And he has—he's with like super hot chicks now. I've he's only with, seen him with like models, basically. Yeah, someone asked. We were talking about this, and someone goes, "Kato Kalen, he's gay, right?" I'm like. No, like I never got that indication of gay. Like, I guess you could see that because he's kind of like he's extremely nice and outgoing. 
Yes, which is kind of gay. <laughs> which is gay. Gay in, in its own right. And he cares about how he looks, which is kind of gay. Which is kind of gay, yeah. And he's just kind of like, eh. like he puts stuff in his hair, you know. Like he's had multiple different haircuts. I feel like <laughs> if you're over eighteen and you've changed your haircut more than twice. I immediately think, okay, this guy's dabbled. You know, not to not to not to judge, but I think okay, it's just one of these. It's one of these. As signs, you should think that it's one of these signs. Straight guy. It's not so much an an indictment on gay guys. It's more just an indictment on straight guys who just I, just like lack any sort of um, ability to give a shit about their own personal looks, like. Can you imagine just anyone, any like older male, you know, like an uncle, whatever, like a, ma- a guy in his 50s. Imagine just, yeah, from your 18 to 50, you change your haircut three times. Something's weird. You're either, and you're a straight guy, it means either A, you're running from the law, um, <laughs> B, you've dabbled, uh, as we discussed, <laughs> or, or C, you were in the military, you were forced to do it. You had some bad case of head lice. Yeah. Guys just don't mix up their haircuts. Like once you graduate college, I'll even give you 22. Say 22, you got your haircut figured out. Am I wrong? No, not at all. So anyway, check out the Cato Kalen podcast. That was a trip. Also, real quick before we talk about your, uh, your take on the O.J. Simpson book, If I Did It, another fascinating <laughs> anecdote with uh, – Gato Kalen was the first time I met him. I was doing this comedy show in this bar, Three Clubs, on a – it's like Hollywood and Vine area kind of there. And um, he goes up to me and he goes, uh, okay, uh, my intro is Cato Kalen, America's favorite host. Not oh, house guys. Well, that's what I thought he said. I thought he said host. And I was like, okay. And then he lists off these credits and one of which was 2020, Barbara Walters, CNN. Basically, he was listing all his TV oh, credits OJ, all his from OJ the OJ credits. trial. It's like, yeah, Barbara Walters didn't you have you didn't have you on because you had a tight eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. and you, th- it's funny too, like because random celebrities will just do stand up at just because it's like, yeah. oh, hey, they're famous. Maybe people come out and see me. I've done stand up with like Ron Jeremy before and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's like it's weird. Awful. It's like it's porno like, people, yeah. reality stars. Basically, if you have some sort of name, they'll try stand up at some point just because, hey, maybe I can sell some tickets. Have you ever done a show with Screech? Screech, yeah, Screech. Uh, yeah, great example, Screech. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, I thought he said America's favorite house or uh, host, and then he corrected me, America's favorite house guest. <laughs> It's just way more uh, sad, but that's that's all. Uh, but yeah, like we said, Kato Kalen, great guy. So you're reading O.J. Simpson. If I did it, Scott, what's your what's your takeaway on this book? Give us a little book or a little recap. I felt like I was fascinated when it came out, and for whatever reason, it didn't really come out. And this was before the internet was prevalent, so I never really got to know the story. Can I give you a three word answer? Sure, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> you answered the question. <laughs> he definitely did it. He's so fucking guilty. It's like it's ridiculous. Okay, here's the thing. I didn't buy the book. Um, it was it was released online. Okay, here's what, here's the cool thing. Here's the fascinating thing about it. Because I watched this documentary about him and his legal problems, and then I was like, oh, I gotta read that book. It's got to be down downloadable online. And TMZ has a free PDF on their website of that book. You can just go on there. The Goldman family was awarded the rights based on. What happened in in the civil trial, right? So he doesn't publish the book. No, he doesn't. He, gets, he doesn't get to publish the book. Check this out. The Goldman family published it themselves, and instead of calling, they still called it "If I Did It," 
But they put the if inside the I on the cover, so it just looks like in big bold letters, I did it. Oh wow! And, and then it's like, and they they changed the title to "If I Did It: Confessions of a Killer." So it just says, "I did it: Confessions of a Killer," like OJ's picture on the book. I I only read the the chapter, the night in question. Which was um, the time him and Nicole went to a nice lobster dinner down at San Pedro. No, it was then about the <laughs> like the night he brutally murdered her and Ron Goldman. Um, it, it's so obvious that he did it. Now, but, what what kind of details? Like, just real quick synopsis of that night. He as basically he basically gives it. the entire blow by blow breakdown of what he had with Cato when they went to McDonald's. Like every little thing, like how he would. Now, what, was that was that Cato McDonald's? Was that admitted to in the court? See, I, I, I'm not sure if, okay. this was, if this was. Does uh, that for, match that? Does that part matches? Match, I think, yeah, like, all all this stuff like matches his, you know, like. But basically, he basically like describes everything, like what he was doing, how what route route he took from Rockingham to Bundy, like every little possible detail, and then all of a sudden, like now, I from here on out, this is all hypothetical. I don't know what happened. I know what happened, but I don't know how it happened, but. I was standing there, like, in a pool of blood, and Nicole's, like, decapitated, and Ron Goldman's there, and I freaked out. Remember, this is hypothetical. (laughs) No, dude, like, you're clearly a cold-blooded murderer. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously feel so, so bad for Ron Goldman. You know what's amazing about it? I mean, really, Fred Goldman and the the parents. Okay, when this book, like, here's, like, Fred Goldman's justice. Here's the thing that I really, like. Fred Goldman, no longer a Bills fan. No, no, no. (laughs) He's a diehard Patriots fan. Yeah, yeah, he really, really likes the Pats. He's probably, like, a Jets fan, actually. He's probably, like, gay about it. Yeah, and he's probably just a guy committed to being miserable, so it makes sense he's a Jets fan. Yeah, he's a Jets fan. Yeah, Patriots actually Maybe an Eagles fan. Um, Okay, the day OJ broke into that hotel, what he's currently in jail for right now, basically going to do the rest of his life in jail over a kidnapping thing in Vegas, with stealing his memorabilia back from people. Um, F- Fred Goldman basically caused that to happen by going after him through civil court and bankruptcy court. Oh, yeah. He is not – he's like a dog with a bone. He will just not let this go. And, and God and, bless him. I would do the same thing. The day that the Goldman family decided to go through and publish OJ's book – without him being involved in it whatsoever was the day that OJ broke into that hotel. Oh, okay. Well, cuz I know there was a there was a locker that they eventually tracked down, like a storage locker that had all these old assets and I guess they ended up getting liquidated. I th- and I think I could be wrong on this, but I think those assets got liquidated because the Goldmans were tracking them down, yeah. found this storage locker with all this stuff, got liquidated and then OJ essentially stole them back. But really, they were rightfully those dudes because I, – I don't know. This could be separate memorabilia. But I know that Goldman's found like a storage locker where he had some memorabilia. Here's the crazy thing. As crazy as OJ is, how crazy are these guys to steal shit from OJ? Yeah, yeah. Here's, <laughs> here's how the phone call goes. Uh, hey, Sean. Hey, uh, hey, what's up? It's me, the Juice. Oh, my God. Huge fan. Nodding my head up and down so I don't get murdered. Huge fan. Oh, I, I seem to have accidentally came across one of your footballs? Oh, sure. I'll be happy to return that post-haste. Imagine you're sitting in a, in, a, in a hotel room in Las Vegas, just your feet kicked up. Man, we really fucked over that OJ. We really got OJ on this one. Like... OJ Simpson busts through the door. Your life is flashing before. 
before your eyes. Or is it not just going with like five guys and a gun too? It's like not even like like he's got like his entourage. Yeah, you saw it. what he did with a knife. Can yeah, you imagine a gun? Saw, yeah, him and a gun and a, and a posse. Come on, <laughs> I, you're fighting a losing battle here. This is OJ Simpson. Oh, hey, this is. Orenthal James Simpson that we're talking about. This here. isn't this isn't your dad's OJ. This isn't, <laughs> hey, this isn't that guy from the Hertz commercials. This is <laughs> Oh my god, crazy. You know it's cool. Uh, I have a patch somewhere. It's at my mom's house and it's in like one of my old drawers in my old dresser in my old bedroom. Um my dad worked for LA County growing up and he actually he knew the guy that did, did all the uh, uniforms for the entire county. For the place that did his, his like his office's uniforms for the Santa, like the water treatment center, they also did the LA County jails uniforms, and I have a patch from one of OJ's guards in LA County. That's crazy. Like my dad like brought that home to me. I was like, "Dude, Scott, check out what I hey, I know you're gonna love this, man. I got you this really cool souvenir. It's like here's a patch from one of OJ's guards. I was like, Dad, you you do love me, man." Like, <laughs> Really I'll never remember. Me. I was inside watching the NBA Finals, and then that high-speed chase came on. My dad was on our roof in our house in Colorado roofing. And I'm like, Dad, they're chasing OJ. He's like, really? And then he just went back to roofing. He's like, I'll look at it in a bit. <laughs> I was actually on the freeway here in Southern California during that. And I kept hoping like that, that it was going to come by us, like because oh. there was traffic as it was already. My friend, like I was like fifteen. My friend's mom was taking us all to go see some bands, and like she was giving us a ride to the show. And yeah, it, it was it was genuinely hysterical. All right, moving on to some more current book news. Joan Rivers recently oh. released a book. I know everyone is on the edge of her, their seats. No offense to Joan Rivers, but. No, she's funny. Oh, she is. But, ah, oh, man, I kind of feel bad because it's like, well, let's listen to the story and I'll, I'll wait to comment on it. <laughs> she told you the story about Joan Rivers selling her book at a California Costco, even though she apparently wasn't even invited. Yeah, here are a few more details for you. Apparently, Costco doesn't like some of the off-color jokes in the books and refuses to sell it. While Rivers protested at Costco and Burbank, railing against what she called unjust censorship, she handcuffed herself to a shopping cart <laughs> and refused to leave. So police were called and Rivers eventually left. George Pinocchio from KABC in Los Angeles, a good friend of this show, called Rivers and got her reaction. Costco, who sells condoms by the pallet. All right, she ends up just going off on Costco, but she was upset that she was upset that Costco didn't have her book. I mean, she has a couple jokes on the back, like um, you know, basically fake reviews of her books. Like, oh, Will Chamberlain said, even I wouldn't fuck her. You know, just kind of like self-deprecating jokes. Costco won't 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 sell it, and. The thing is, like, uh, what? Who's Costco looking out for? Let's be honest here. Are you really looking out for the children, Costco? Costco looks out for me because they have a affordable soda and hot dog special and cheap pizza slices. Yeah, they got a they got their hot chicken bake or whatever, kind of like four, a calzone. for four dollars. I can get an amazing deal with a, a couple of pizza slices, a hot dog, and a, and a drink. No, oh, yeah, you can live Costco. off of four bucks at Costco. Here's the thing, though. Did honestly, I mention their sampler platters? Oh, dude, delicious. <laughs> If Costco, yeah, I don't. They don't really sell it as that, but yeah. Um, if Costco actually cared about kids and were worried, first off, no kid is looking at the back of a Joan Rivers biography like, oh my yeah. god, you know, the, the 
they're like swimming in a tsunami of like angry birds and skittles. They're not going to go, oh my god, let me stop all the stop eating all this horrific food and go look at the Joan Rivers biography. Let me look at the back book jacket. Let's see what the critics have Isn't to say. Isn't that about- that alien from the red carpet, mommy? <laughs> I want to go read the, the jacket of her autobiography. Like now, listen. If you actually cared about kids, you would not sell ninety percent of what you sell. You wouldn't sell cheese puffs in five-gallon containers. Funny too, I get it. about this is like Joan Rivers actually comes from like the Lenny Bruce generation. She was like friends with him back in the day. Like him and Carlin were – those guys legitimately got arrested for just being like edgy comedians on stage. And now she's handcuffing herself to shopping cart. Like, I, that's well, just, here's the thing. Like I, I feel uh, just kind of sad. It's like 79. I had a grandma – you know, it's like you just picture your grandma. My grandma like, is 80 um, – almost – she just turned 82. Yeah. You, know, you just feel like, hey, hang out with the grandkids. You don't need to sell any more books, no. Joan. I, whatever. If this really – if this spurs her and this keeps her active in the same way that Joe Paterno kept active by hiding a, uh, yeah. a pedophilia. I'm just going to stay alive by covering up some kid fucking, man. That's right, exactly. It's the only thing that kept me alive for all these years was hiding the fact that I was a horrible person. Once I had to give that, that masquerade up, I dropped dead because life wasn't worth living anymore. Listen, I have two <laughs> passions in life. My Joe Paterno gravy and covering up the horrific deeds of my defensive coordinator. And once they take away that from me, I'm just going to pass away. What do I got to live for if I can't hide the trail of a horrific pedophile for years, possibly decades, on end? I'm just a simple guy addicted to my work. My work, of course, is sleeping the dirt under the rug of the entire Penn State organization. And but his, yeah, you his feel... gravy is really good, though. By the no, way. it's it's tasty gravy. I don't mean to disparage the gravy in that remark. Just Joe Paterno's <laughs> actions as a human being. Yeah, just being human a repre- being reprehensible air... person. Human yeah. being in air quotes, obviously. Cornell Reed, a uh, fellow uh, comedian friend, he had a great joke that said, uh, you know, with all this uh, controversy about gay marriage, Chick-fil-A is decided to install the Joe Paterno statue. <laughs> 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 obviously, I kind of stepped on it you know, transitioning uh, from Joe Paterno, but still a very funny joke. So, yeah, the idea or that my take is just, come on, Joan. I, I feel bad. You think you'd be able to walk yeah, away from just, it? Uh, but yeah. what if, if really, what if, I really... Especially guess when she's built a career on cheating on people. Like, just, hey, say your book's not... Hey, oh, is Costco really holding you back from the New York Times bestsellers list? Like, come on. No, like, she's... She's just trying to. Does she it. want her book to be sold in six packs? That, is that the deal here? <laughs> <laughs> She's just trying to stir up some publicity, but you just feel bad. It's like, ah, oh, you're a legend. I want, I want my book sold bulk. The yeah. way Costco does it. I just feel bad. All right, let's that get, is to, sad, some, let's get is to some happier news. Speaking of legends, Randy Travis Uh-oh. in a bit of hot water. Uh oh. Randy Travis busted for drunk. And of course, this comes from TMZ. If you can't tell by uh, the douchiest announcer of all time. Yeah. Coming August 19th. Oh, oh wait. Uh-oh. Oh, we'll get to. That was oh, a different Randy season. Travis busted for drunk driving after crashing his car in Texas. And he was naked. Did we mention he was naked? Apparently he was <laughs> naked. Okay, good. Yeah. Last night in Grayson County, Texas, Travis lost control of his Trans Am and crashed into some barricades in a construction zone. <laughs> he was a little banged up. No one else was hurt. And when cops show up, they find him naked. Um, to make matters worse, Travis allegedly threatened to shoot the troopers who arrested him, which means more charges. 
Now, this what is- was he going to shoot him with? <laughs> please, please don't tell me he wasn't going to shoot him. It was fatally low. Because well, sometimes I shoot things when I'm naked, but it's like a totally different... <laughs> Situation. Well, either way, the cop's going to be fatally wounded, Scott. Um, there's no coming back from that. Either, either it's going, either it's a gunshot from uh, Randy Travis or a much worse shot where he will end up taking his life. Anytime a naked guy threatens to shoot me, I'm not thinking guns. No, no, and honestly, if that happens in the field, I think you just do the honorable thing and just, you know, go at. Hey guys, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kill myself right yeah. now. Uh, not to get too morose, but we all saw what happened there. I don't want to live. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't retire as a police officer. I'm just taking the easy way. Did out. you see the way it got on my cheek? I, there's no way I can live with myself after that. Now, if you're if you're Randy Travis, Scott, this is my um, this is my hypothetical question to you. Give me a scenario that's kind of plausible where. Randy Travis ends up naked for this DUI. Give me in your mind. You want me to do my magic my magic penis theory? <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever you got, give me an explanation for how this happened. Just purely hypothetical. Use here's your a hypothetical. Okay, here's my hypothetical reason why Randy Travis getting. Um, I was driving down the street, and I remembered that Nancy Travis and I were, were a thing at one point, and then also um, a Dixie's chicks song came on and i i got so i got so involved with patriotism and 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 loving america and hatred for women that i decided to take (laughs) all take all my clothes off you know just you know just to to show that they don't they don't control me anymore like they they, they don't control me and then i uh and then you know i was drunk (laughs) (laughs) that's how all good naked stories end and i was drunk I, i was pretty i was pretty hammered Scott, we've been uh, we talked on sports a little bit. First female NFL referee. Your tweet about that was genius, by oh, the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I tweeted that um, now, you know, first female NFL referee. And now, uh, you know, she'll only blow the game if she's really wasted. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was funny that the, the, uh, the NFL basically it's – it's a weird thing where they started – all these kind of uh, liberal feminist groups heralded this new job for this woman. Hey, it's a woman ref. Hey, congratulations, the first woman ref. It's kind of a historic moment. And then I was talking to this to uh, Tess Barker, female comedian, very funny. And she said, but wait, I thought these refs are just filling in for the other refs while they're on strike. I'm like, yeah, that, that's a great point. Like, basically, these refs are just filling in for the other refs. So, basically, this is just a temp job for this woman. And, essentially, they're just basically saying, listen, things have gotten so bad, we've decided to hire a woman. If anything, I feel like this is almost the NFL leveraging against the referees and the players' union to just be like, hey, you want to have a woman ref these games? She, All right, real refs, get like back in there. a side judge or, like, a line judge or... <laughs> I want to know what spot in the crew they give her because, like, you know, the umpire, the umpire, there's an umpire in football. A lot of people don't know yeah. that. The umpire is the one who lines up right by the middle linebacker, basically, in the defense. And sometimes those umpires get creamed. Oh, yeah. Well, now they, they kind of switched it off. They used to hang out by the uh, linebackers. Now they hang out on the other side the uh, behind, like, the quarterback, I guess, because they thought it would help 
see holding calls a little better. It's it's changed a little bit of the calls. Like they as they, far as what they, they used to better. get lit. Oh. oh, dude, that was some of the greatest moments. Those are always on the football follies. Just yeah. refs getting decked. I'll never, I'll never forget. There was, uh, we watched this. I can't tell you how many times we just kept rewinding and replaying it. It was it had to have been in the twenties, where a ref was running over towards the sideline, and a you know one of these big linemen is like on the ground and he's rolling like kind of doing a barrel roll. The ref sees him. He's running over to make the call. He jumps. Almost gets over the guy, but like the, the the defensive lineman's shoulder pad just clips the ref, and he just tumbles over, face first in the ground. Oh, oh. when the when the refs get hurt, it's the best because then they have to be like carted off, and it's just yeah, so, no, it's so, it's so hilarious. Like, it's just so I I I'm as like as sadistic as it sounds to see a sixty year old dude just get whacked is just funny. It's hilarious, because like in baseball, like you'll see it where like a, an umpire will take one like. Like take a hard pitch, like like a ninety five mile an hour fastball. Take one right in the face mask, and then they'll shake it off. But then you notice they're not back there the next inning. <laughs> yeah, like they, they they just do the rest of the inning, and they're like, I'm too tough to like not to not do this. Hockey, I think officials are the toughest because they have to skate and dodge like crazy fast action. Oh, that that's got to be a real workout. I mean, basketball is the easiest. You yeah, just get it. the memo from David Stern as far as who to call. Yeah, and fouls then, on and, and then you run back and forth for forty-five feet for like a game. Like it's, <laughs> hey, you, you don't even have to do the full court. Yeah, you get the rock star charge calls. It's pretty easy. You do like the low court one part and like the high. Like it's it's a really easy gig. Okay. Well, Scott, I, I briefly touched on this, and I think this. Uh, this is a, uh, a great clip to play. Very fascinating. So Rihanna back in the news with her good pal Oprah. Oh, I don't wow. know why this just – this promo, I was just tooling around is the internet. Trying, is she trying to slap billions into her? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Oprah was like, I'm retiring from TV. And then her Oprah channel is going so bad that she's like has to make appearances and do specials to kind of yeah. keep it afloat. But yeah. here is uh, here's the promo for Rihanna on Oprah. Oh, this is going to be good. August 19th. Welcome to my island. Oprah and Rihanna. God, isn't that so annoying when people... Welcome to my island. Yeah, they try to say it kind of... You know, she's from, I don't know, Bahamas or whatever. Like when uh, people speaking English, speaking complete English, go Latino. Um, Yes, uh, I uh, I, uh, grew up in a Latino household. uh, And I had a lot of uh, friends and family who were Latino. I really, really like eating tostadas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we know know that they say Latino. Different in other countries. Hey, would you like to come? Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, you want to come over and see my Latino torta? <laughs> <laughs> I have some Latina pornography. Would you like to see it? Coming August 19th. Welcome to my island. Oprah and Rihanna on location in Barbados. Driving with Rihanna. Is this I, not the most I once annoying? fucked a chick that was half Trinidad or whatever. Like, oh, really? Yeah. It was really exotic. Ch- no, I mean, Rihanna's hot, but dude, listen to Oprah. This is just hilarious. Uh, on location in Barbados. Driving with Rihanna. Driving with Oprah. What's up? Nothing is off limits. Do you think? There's a rookie Chris voice. She sounded like fucking Chewbacca. Rihanna. Driving with Oprah. Nothing is off limits. Do you think Chris Brown is a true love for you? Where does your relationship with him stand today? I would have never thought that. You just shocked me. Plus. <laughs> well, she sounds like Jerry Seinfeld almost. Does, like, does she do? 
I would ask her, who's a better hitter, Chris Brown or Matt Kemp? Because you fucked them both. <laughs> now, that's a good joke, Scott. <laughs> Chris Brown's going for the triple crown. <laughs> he's not a 40-40 guy. No, he's not. he's not. He's, a, yeah, he's not a He's not a five-tooler. The surprise she's wanted to give her mom since she was a little girl. Oprah's next chapter returns August 19th, 9, 8 Central. So that's the old uh, Oprah and Rihanna. How depressing is that for the voiceover guy that did that? He's like, really? Oprah, Rihanna. I, I got I to gotta make this Taco sound. Taco Bell. I have to make this sound kind of interesting. Go like, oh, south of the border. This is really awful. Please please, please don't make me do it. I'm going to go hang myself in the closet after this. <laughs> uh, you know, you could get worse as, uh, as far as voiceover gigs go. Yeah, you could be the voice of Ratatouille. <laughs> All right, Scotty. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Thank you for having me, Sean. This is you wanna, so well, much fun. Logan normally does a haiku, but do you want to you want to just improvise a haiku? Yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't have yeah. to get all the. It's five seven five, right? Yeah, just do your best. Improvise a haiku. R- recap right. in the show. All right. Sorry, I didn't give you a heads up on that, but uh, no, yeah, do your best. I can do it, Derek. Derek. Hold on, hold on. I'm I'm queuing up the music. All right. That was, that, five, that was five seven five, dude. That sounded right on point. Much like the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles, hopefully they'll beat out the Yankees. I, I, I went, the I, I'm a proud of myself for going a whole podcast without talking about Mike Trout and how great, how he's the greatest center fielder of all time. You did mention it once, but it was <laughs> okay. It was just as a reference. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was uh, it was still pretty sub. Yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap things up here. Hey, uh, Wax, who does the uh, beginning music and end music on the show, of course, check him out. I'm in a couple of his videos. Make sure to check out the uh, Wax Rosanna video. Thank God, uh, I'm going to go see him at the Viper Room on the yeah, 18th. Yeah, we were just talking about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's playing the uh, – it's a Sunset Music Festival. It's at the Viper Room, the 18th. Mickey Avalon's there. A lot of good times. So make sure you check out Wax. He's a uh, – Funny dude, great guy, most importantly, great musician, and uh, lets me use the music here on the program. Salad dude. I'm in the Rosanna video. Super hot chicken there. Rosanna. Not Roseanne. Kind of. Is she Latino? Freudy- yeah. She Latino. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, throw out your uh, plugs and let's wrap this buddy up. Uh, yeah, check me out on Twitter at Scott underscore Bowser. Don't confuse me with the Scott Bowser that's on there. He's a Fred Durst following piece of crap. And uh, check out my podcast, the Scotty Mouth Podcast, scottymouth.com. Um, a lot of fun stuff going on over there. Good times. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. And uh, check out SeanTGreen.com for upcoming tour dates. We do it live here every week in The Green Room. on to SeanTGreen.com That's SeanTGreen.com To access archive episodes and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show He should have seen she was really naive Shit, she was still only 19 And he was many years older But he's seen her walk by in them tight jeans And he looked at her like that he thought that he could mold her, but his own yeah. world.